Just as funny in Spanish, that one. I don't know how to get into the passage after that one. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at a couple of verses tonight. My time is short. Smell that food, though. Boy. I made a pact that I'm not going to eat after 8 o'clock. So at 7.55, I am plowing everything I can. And I'm taking the batteries out of that thing. It's been five years almost. I think it was, um, it, had, it must have been May of 2004 the last time I was here. Or maybe a little bit before that. April. Um, I don't remember the exact date. I know it was sometime in 2004. That was the last one. We moved out of Sheraton. And so we're looking at five years. Five years has passed. And the question would be, how are you different? And how am I different? You say, wow, time's flying, you know, same, we're the same old, same old. I hope that's not true. I hope that you could say this. You know, it's been five years, and I want to tell you something, Jeremy. I know Christ more now than I've ever known him before. Is that true of you? I pray it is. You know, some people say, how does it feel to be back? You know, in Colorado, I didn't feel it as much, but being in Iowa, what I've sensed from the churches is that they're living scared. They don't know what's going to happen. And so they've stopped. It's kind of like they're waiting to see, you know, what's going to happen, what's going to happen, what's going to happen. My friends, we live by faith, not by sight. We need to allow God to work. He's still in control. And if we look at this passage of Scripture, I, 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 love, I love what Jeremiah says. He says, you know, thus saith the Lord, please shut off your car alarm. That's somewhere in Hezekiah. I don't know where it is. He says, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither the mighty man in his might, neither the rich man in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understands me and knows me, that he understands me and knows me. If you want to glory and boast in something in your life, it ought to be that we know Him and we understand Him. What about Him? That He's a God of loving kindness, of mercy. He stays with us. He's a God of judgment. He will make things right. And He's a God of righteousness. He always does what is right. He says, you want to glory? Glory in that. And I love this passage because Paul, he, he, he gives his credentials here in verses 3 to 9. And he talks about who he was and all that he lived and all his background. But he says, you, know, you want to know something in verse 8? He says, yea, doubtless, of, of, of Philippians 3, verse 8. He says, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but... Dung, dung, rubbish, the Greek manure, manure. It means nothing to me, he says. All that I've lived, all that I've done, all that stuff, it means nothing to me. Why? That I could win Christ, that I can know him, to know him. 
Now, this doesn't mean that we're going to just have to go and have all this head knowledge to know Christ. doesn't mean you have to parse in the Greek and Hebrew to know him. It's an experience. He's a person. We have an experience with him. We know him. You say, what kind of an experience is it? Well, we don't have time to go into all this, but, but I just want to uh, uh, say a few things out of verse 10, and then we'll get into the passage. He says, that I may know him, that I may have a relationship with him. And what is that involved? It's a powerful experience and the power of his resurrection. Do you know that the same power that, that, that God's used to raise Jesus Christ up from the dead is the same power that lives in me and you? It's the power to say no to the old life, and it is the power to be a witness for him. We can't do it without his power. He says, I want to know him. What does that mean? I want to have this power of his resurrection. He says, I want to have the painful experience. Notice in verse 10, it says, and the fellowship of his sufferings. We all want the power. None of us wants the pain. But it's often painful. But you want to know something that's wonderful? It is in the midst of that pain that our fellowship with Christ can be sweeter than ever. It was a time when I got arrested for the stolen car that our fellowship with Jesus Christ was, was, was sweeter than ever. It was a time when we lost the baby that our fellowship with Jesus Christ was sweeter than ever. Suffering ought to drive us to God. I remember talking to Sean, and I know what was going on. I said, Sean, I'm so sorry. I can't explain it. I don't know what, but I do know this, that during this time, your fellowship with Jesus Christ can be sweeter than ever. He said, you really mean that? I said, I do. Paul says there's fellowship in suffering. I want to become him. And it's not only a painful experience, it's a purifying, being made conformable unto his death. It drives us away from sin. Suffering causes us to live more for God. And then he says in verse 11, if by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead. It's a perfecting experience. It is as Paul is saying in verse 11, I want to live today as if I had a resurrected body. Amazing. Amazing. And then he says these words in verse 12. Not as though I already attained. And this is somebody who's been walking with Christ for 30 years. This is somebody who had many spiritual victories in his life. This is somebody who won many people to Jesus Christ. And you know what he says about his life? I'm not there. I'm not there. And I pray that you can say the same thing about your life. You say, I've been walking with God for 50 years. Praise the Lord, but you're not there. He said, I've been a Christian for five years and I've been the best five years of my life. I gave up everything for God. So did Paul. And he wasn't there. He says, I haven't obtained. I can't look back at one moment in my life and say, you know what? I'm there. I'm the spiritual. I am there. He says, I can't do that. He says here in, in verse 12, he says, either we're already perfect. It's not a present reality in my life. But notice what he says. But I follow after. He makes himself a hunter. Now, I will say this. I'm not a hunter. I'm sorry I missed last... Actually, I'm not sorry I missed last night. You know what I mean? I, the wild game thing doesn't excite me at all. I'm, you know, I can't figure it out. Maybe you guys can talk to me a little bit about this after the service and try to explain to me. But why would somebody sit on a hill, blow this thing, wait for a turkey to fly in the air, shoot the thing, pluck it, and then try to eat it when you can get the same thing at high V for eight bucks? Amen? It's there. You say, well, it's not fun. You know what I mean? It's fun. i got to search two, three aisles to get it. 
Why? Why do that? You know, I can't figure it out. Why have a pet coon? All right, let's go on. Something's not right. Maybe I'm the odd one. I was coming. I'm in big trouble. Now this is going to be longer than you thought. He says we follow after, present tense. We are hunting after. Notice verse 12, this rich verse. I pray that this comes into your heart tonight. He says, I follow after. I am continually hunting after. What, Paul? He says, I am hunting after. If that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He says, I want to grab a hold of the one who got me. Got me. What an amazing life. He was on the road to Damascus. He was on the road to kill. He was on the road to do that. And the Lord Jesus came to him. And what happened? Changed his whole life. Changed his whole purpose. Changed everything about him. Paul says, you know what? I want to live my life to get the one who got me. Wow. I remember when I went off to Alabama, I, I was a math major, and I, had, I took seven math classes in, in high school, and I thought I was a math genius. You know how long that lasted? One semester. One semester. The math professor looked at me and said, Jeremy, I know who you are. You think you know everything about math. And I was unsaved, and I looked back at her and said, you're right. I know everything about math. She said, you will not pass this class, and she was right. Here I was, off in school, no major, nothing, nothing, just living. And I meet a Christian. Can you imagine? Looks at me and says, Jeremy, you know, Jesus died for your sins, was buried and rose again. And if you call upon him, he'll save you. I said, please, I don't want that life. I want to live my own life. A year later, I got saved. And now my whole life is to apprehend the one that got me. And so is yours. I want to get a hold of what? I don't want to get a hold just to know him. I want to do all the purpose that he has for my life. I want to live his will. You say, what is God's will for my life? I'm just trying to find it. Listen, Scripture's clear. If you're unsaved, he wills that you be saved. That's where it starts. If you're saved, he wills that you be sanctified, that you're growing. He wills that you be suffering. He wills that you be submissive. We know what God's will is, but we just don't do it. He says, I want to live my life. I want to apprehend. I want to live out the purposes of Christ for my life. And notice what he says in verse 13. How can we do that? Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I am not there, but this one thing I do. I'm going to make life very simple here. I forget those things which are behind. And I reach forth unto those things which are before. Now, I wish that I could forget some of the things that I've done. And I wish I could remember some of the things I want to remember. Just can't. (laughs) Paul's not saying here, just forget about everything that happened in your past and get on with life. Paul often mentioned his past. But what he is saying is this. Don't let the past trap you from moving, moving forward for Christ. Can I say that again? Don't let the past trap you from moving ahead for Christ. Why don't churches get that? Why don't we as Christians get that? I was just in a church. They told the pastor, we are not changing that window. It's been here for 50 years. It's our window. It's there. It's ours. Everything in the past. I was in one church of nine people, and all they were talking about is how they were 150. I'm sorry, you're nine now. You're not 150. And then I was in a church that was 150, and they were saying, you know what, we used to be nine, but now we're one. Everything in the past. 
Paul says, don't let it trap you. All the things that have happened, don't let it trap you. All your achievements, all your sins, don't let it trap you. Learn from it and move on. And what a wonderful thought. As you look at here in verse 6 of Philippians chapter 3, verse 6, do you think that there was something going on in Paul's mind when he's talking about this? Notice what he says here. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, Paul was a murderer. Do you remember what he did to Stephen? Do you think that didn't enter into his mind after he got saved? It was just gone? No, it entered. He mentions it right here. But you want to know something that's incredible? He didn't let that stop him from moving on for Christ. He learned from it and went on. He learned from it and went on. My friends, we need to forget the things that are in the past. They're over. Learn from them and let's go on for Christ. I love that. I love that quote from Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott says, wherever you are, be all there. In other words, live. Give everything you got to God. For as long as you got because he says here, not only would he forget what's behind, but notice what else he says here. Reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now he makes us an athlete. Now I'm no athlete, although I look like one, amen? Want to know what happened in the tennis court? No, I'm not going to mention. I'm no athlete, especially in Colorado. Me and my kids, we played Johnny on a Pony. You ever play that? Where you throw your kids on the back, Johnny on a Pony, one, two, three. Johnny on a Pony, one, two, three. Well, I'm in Colorado. And the altitude's killing me. And I'm like, Johnny, I'm laying on the floor ready to die. My kid's like, you didn't even get the one, two, three. I can't. I'm not an athlete. You know what I mean? Forget about Johnny on the pony. Let's play something else. We're not athletes. But Paul now makes us athletes. We go from hunters to athletes. And this is a wonderful word he uses here, reaching forth. It's got the idea of those who used to ride the chariots and they only had little space to drive the things so they had to strain all their muscles, keep their focus and concentrate on what they were doing and think of nothing else. He says, I want you to reach forward, strain, have complete focus, complete dedication because there are things in front of us. The best is yet to come. What a wonderful thought. It's only going to get better. You say, but wait a minute, wait a minute. The way the economy is and the way things are going on, it ain't going to get better. It's going to get worse. Listen, for us, it's only going to get better. For us, it's only going to get better. He says, those wonderful things that are forth. I don't know what God has in our second term. If you would have told me, Jeremy, you know what? In your first term, you're going to go there, buy a stolen car, you know, not... You know, I, I don't know how that happened. We were with another missionary. It just happened, you know, and uh, hurt us. And, you know, and you would have told me, Jeremy, you're going to go there and you're going to meet this and this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I probably would have said, Pastor, can you keep me on for another year? You know what I mean? Have me stay here, please. And beg him. But then if you would have told me, hey, Jeremy, when you're going to go to Argentina, you're going to meet Lorena and Sergio and, and, and Fabian and Fernando and all these people. And uh, God's going to they're going to use you're going to preach the gospel and God's going to plant the gospel in their hearts. They're going to get saved and come to church. I would have been running. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I love with Chuck the Queen, you know, one of the missionaries you guys used to support. He's a, he, he teaches evangelism at faith. I said, what motivates you? He says, I don't know what the next door holds. I don't know what the next family is going to be about. I'm just motivated because it's new. It's a new opportunity to serve God. It's a new day to live for God. He says here, why don't we just forget the things that are behind and reach forth because there's new opportunities. There's new things. There's, there's great things. We're in Cumberland. I haven't been to Cumberland for five years. 
Last time I was there, the average age was 116. You know what I mean? Now there's all young people. I couldn't believe how many kids were there. It was incredible. Amazing. We were in Red Oak, Grace Baptist. The Lord really working there. He's doing a great job leading people to Christ. He just said, look at his family. He got baptized. They're coming to church. Amazing. And that's how it ought to be. Just reaching forth towards the things that are ahead of us. And notice what he says here in verse 14. He says, I press toward the mark. Because you want to know something, my friends? We don't just run and run and run and run with our straining and all this because there's no end to all this. There's an end. There's an end. Now, it may be death if the Lord tarries. Or it may be if he doesn't tarry, we're gone. Paul, I think, is thinking about the resurrection. He's, he's not thinking about dying here. But let me tell you something about death that we don't know. We don't know where it's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. And we don't know how it's going to happen. I have my preference. I like to go with a pizza roll in my throat. Amen? That would be like the best way to go. You know, it's right there. I'm stuck. And all of a sudden, I'm in the presence of the Lord. Great way. That's my preference. God's, I don't know. When, how, where, we don't know. So we ought to be ready. He says there's a mark to all this. There's an end to this finish line. Maybe it's the Lord returning. Maybe it's death. We don't know. But then he says after the mark, it's not over. There's a prize. What a wonderful thought. We don't know what that is. Maybe it's the crowns. Maybe we're going to cast them back. And notice what he says here. The wonderful prize is going to be of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The prize may be Christ Jesus himself. And let me just say this. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's problems, they're going to seem so small when we see Christ. One look, one look on his dear face. All sorrow, he'll erase. So let's bravely run the race till we see Christ. He says, I'm running with everything inside of me. You know, I'm, I'm forgetting the things behind. I'm stretching forth because one day I'm going to be with my Lord. I'm going to be with my God. I want to know him. I want to have that personal experience with him. I want to have that relationship, that developing relationship with him. I came across this wonderful story about Robert Robinson. You ever hear this one? You know the song. We sing it, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. The story goes how one day he was walking and he left God. He wasn't even walking with God. He was empty inside. And here comes his carriage. And there's a lady on it. And she said, sir, where are you going? He goes, nowhere. She said, will you come with me to church? And she was reading a verse from Robert Robinson. She goes, what's your name? Robert Robinson. You're kidding me. I'm reading a verse. from You can't be the same one. He goes, yes, that's me. And he looked at the words uh, that she was reading. Come thou fountain of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing calls for songs of loudest praise. Then he slips his eyes down to the bottom of the page where he read prone to wander. Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. I'll take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. He says, not only did I write these words, I am living these words. And she said, sir, sir, sir. You also wrote, here's my heart, I'll take and seal it. You can offer your heart again to God, Mr. Robinson. It's not too late. And that day he gave his life back to God and walked with him to his death. Listen, my friends, are you trapped? Are you just there? Are you waiting for something to change? Or are you going to move forward for God? It's not too late. 
May tonight be the night where you say, Lord, you know what? I'm going to, by your grace, forget the things that are behind me. And by your grace, I'm going to reach forth. Because by your grace, one day I will be in your very presence. And it will be worth it all. Oh. Oh. Father, we thank you. Help us, O oh God. Help us to walk with you. It's a powerful, often painful experience. But it purifies our hearts. Help us, Father, to realize that we're not there. And that, Lord, may we press on, follow after like a hunter, trying to apprehend the one that got us. Thank you so much for reaching out to us when we were so unlovely and changing our lives and hearts. Father, I pray if there's anyone here tonight trapped, not moving forward, scared, that tonight they would say, Lord, I want to move forward for you. Will you help me to forget the things that are behind and reach forward, stretching out for who knows, God, what you have. But we know this, that the best is yet to come. Pastor.